Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how to grow their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the host of the show. I'm also the founder of Sisu, the growth automation software for real estate. And today, uh, I think, well, I'm here with Frank Klesitz, and I think Frank is only my second guest, maybe my third to be on the show twice. Oh, so thanks. anyway, Frank, I'm super excited to have you back on the show. For those of you who don't know, Frank is the CEO of Viral Marketing. He's the founder of Viral Marketing. Viral Marketing has been around for how many years now, Frank? Uh, about 11. Okay, so 11 years and Viral is has really just been focused on the real estate industry for that 11 years. So if there's anything you want to know about real estate, where it's going, what's happening, Frank is always a great person to check in with. I call Frank whenever I have ideas to bounce them off of him because he just knows what's up in the industry. So Frank, welcome to the show. Thank you and welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks, man. So, well, I'm excited to be here. Being your second guest, it must mean I have some value to add, which is good. Frank, I mean, let's just back up a little bit before we dive into marketing, which I know is your expertise. Yep. Let's talk about the industry right now. I mean, yeah. what is going on in this industry and is it everywhere that the market's this hot or is that just, is that just in Utah? Uh, it's everywhere. I mean, what you're just seeing is probably a more divide between the haves and have nots in the industry where the middle's getting thinned out. Like you're seeing society is you're always going to have a, a, a big percentage of agents that, you know, uh, through personal relationships and maybe some limited proactive proactivity in their business are able to do, you know, a couple deals a year. And um, you'll have that. And then you have the big agent teams that got their act together for the past 10 years when 2007 online lead generation came out. And then when they moved to ISAs and they moved to showing assistance and they've been really able to suck up a lot of market share. Uh, and honestly, probably because they can lower their prices a bit because they have ancillary services and other ways to make money where they can actually compete on the commission a little bit more. So you're probably just seeing now, like they say, with this K-shaped recovery, you know, like, you know, half the country is going up and doing well and the other K half is v. going down. Is it K or is it V, right? <laughs> well, V was like the idea is that everyone's going to recover, but they call it a K now where it's like, you know, the white, uh, white collar workers are doing great and the blue collar workers are suffering. And that's why it's a K. There's a split. Yeah. I think you're seeing the same thing now with the people that have their act together, that have their systems down are doing very well. Um, and also even the agents that work their databases and their personal connections. The poor, the poor, uh, the middle of the market that's really trying to scale up and get their act together and to have the money to self-finance, kind of building into that team, it's it's more difficult. Yeah, very okay. difficult. So, I mean, you, I may, I may be a better poll for this than you because, well, you have customers all over the country as yeah. well. So, mm -hmm. so, I mean, are there areas of the country that are struggling right now? I mean, I know California is a really hot market right now, but at the same time, I know there are tons of Californians moving to Utah, Arizona, yep. Texas, yep. Wyoming, Idaho. I mean, there are- I don't, I don't know if there's any specific oh. markets struggling, um, but I will tell you though, I mean, I don't know what the number is, but I think it's an, 
it averages at about 400,000 homes a month selling in the United States, something like that. But with like, I just read an article, mortgage demand is down, you know, um, even with rates as low as like what, two and a half percent after the Fed went, yeah. And um, with, with inventory down, like you're, you're going to have a game of musical chairs. I mean, just straight mathematics of there's just not as many homes selling, yes. you know, and, and, and you probably had, you basically borrowed into the fall and the winter of the demand that would be there in the summer. <laughs> yeah. So I think it is going to be a little bit of a difficult but, fall but and you winter. you also borrowed from the spring, right? I yeah, mean- 100%. Yeah, you had the summer and spring in the same season. And then you also kind of borrowed into demand probably later in the year. And yeah, everyone's killing it now in the summer. I mean, the teams have records amounts of cash sitting there from all the transactions that took place and the mortgage professionals are making a killing. But everyone's just kind of like, well, you know, I think that's almost kind of that's on credit of a, a lot of the demand that would normally spread out has been like focused all summer and we'll see where things head, you know? So uh, obviously you don't know where things are heading. I don't no. know where things are heading, but if you no ask Frank, what, what does the next six to 12 months look like? You know, I think it's going to be uh, rising home prices because when rates go down, it drives up asset prices. You're going to see home prices continue to increase. A lot of the demand is without question um, strong because people want to buy a house and they have a reason to buy a house. It's not necessarily speculation. It's that like, I want to buy a home to live in because I'm working from home now and I don't see the value of living my expensive condo downtown and everything's closed and there's COVID everywhere. Um, but I think one of probably the, the, the two big changes you've seen and again, I don't think it's going to affect a big part of the market, but, uh, you know, uh, Open Door got billions and billions and billions of dollars of financing with some social venture capital company. And they plan on rolling out in like, I don't think a hundred markets that they're going to come to uh, and probably take away, you know, three to 5% market share in every market of iBuyer activity. When, um, when, did that, when did that financing happen? Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't. I mean, very, very, very recently. Yeah. They just... Yeah, um, Open Door had a pause in COVID, and then they needed uh, they needed to find a new suitor of money because SoftBank was caught up in all of uh, the WeWork issues and other things. Yes, and uh, they uh, I think I I may not be correct, but I believe it's one of the um, one of the ex guys from Facebook is sitting on a pile of cash, mm. and it is really big into like using the funds to like change society, and uh, they partnered up with Open Door, and Open Door got a huge infusion of capital, billions and billions of dollars to expand around the entire United States. And they're taking on directly Zillow offers. Uh, both those companies are market makers. They're, they're basically the only two companies really, there might be offer pad, pay basically pretty darn close to market price for your house. I mean, anyone can have an iBuyer program. Sure, I'll buy your house for 70% of market value. That's not really yeah, an iBuyer. Every, every team yeah. has an iBuyer program. Yeah, but that's not really an iBuyer program. An iBuyer program is how close do you pay to market price within a small margin, right? That makes sense for the couple thousand dollars of convenience that, that could impact the real estate market as we yeah, and i think they're gonna you know we the teams are taking more market share off you know, off of a big area um without question uh very well uh you know funded organized and then you're gonna have the i buyers coming in taking a little bit of market share so i think what you're seeing in real estate is just a game of musical chairs is very slowly more chairs are being taken out where transactions are going to other people that really have their act together and it's kind of putting some stress, especially on the individuals that are kind of in the middle of the messy middle of their business trying to scale up. Because I'm always so interested in your opinion, Frank, I want, I want to know your opinion of this new Zillow announcement recently that Zillow is coming out with their own brokerage. Oh, they have to. I mean, everyone knows that. I mean, um, when you go to Zillow, (laughs) 
and you know you you type in I want to see an agent. No one knows that everyone thinks the agent works for Zillow. People don't understand W two independent contractor relationships. So what was happening? Uh, I went to Zillow's event. I, this was maybe three years ago, but Spencer, who was the CEO at the time, was like. Um, 50% of the people that request to see an agent on our website uh, never hear from the agent. And these are from premier agents paying <laughs> like for the leads. Paying for the leads. Half, half of Zillow's yeah, customers. Paying for the lead, but paying for yeah. one of those top three spots. Yeah, they have to. I completely agree. I mean, they have to. I mean, half of the customers that go to Zillow to use their website that want to see a house, fill in the form saying, I'll have an agent contact me. Never hear from the agent or the agent misses the appointment. And whose brand does that hurt? Zillow's because they think the agent works for Zillow. You know, I heard someone refer to it as like the, as the Home Depot effect. Like you go to Home Depot to find a, someone that can install your floors. You don't really care who the installer is, even though it's technically this independent contractor, you think it's Home Depot, you know, and it affects the Home Depot brand. You're going to hold accountable for it. Correct, 100%. And that's what was happening. So then, you know, Zillow decided to get into the concierge program. We had to follow up with leads. So that still wasn't fixing the problem. And they're like, maybe we're going to try out this flex agreement or we're going to try this, but it still wasn't fixing the problem because the holy grail, like Bezos says, is the customer experience. And the only way you can ensure a customer experience is to control the process. And the only way you control the process is by having W2 employees. Yeah, I'll, so, I'll give you a comparison of that from this morning. I'm working from my house this morning. So I ordered a Costco order this morning. And of course, I order it from Instacart. It arrives and a bottle of vitamins... Seems like it's a little bit low. So I open it up, look at it. Someone had opened it and they, I don't know what they did. I don't know if they infused something into those vitamins or if they <laughs> just stole some of the vitamins. I'm not sure what happened, but this bottle of vitamins arrives that's open. And of course, I don't think the Instacart driver did that. I think it was, that's just how it came from Costco. Yeah, didn't check so, it. But, but it's, it's a very similar thing, right? I view that as Costco. It's is Costco's the Zillow right there. Yeah, dude, Zillow brought in like one of the most brilliant CEOs of our time. I mean, he started like basically Netflix and then I think it was like Expedia and Glassdoor. And his whole thing is like, we want to create a unified experience all the way through where, you know, the customers are North Star. And that's impossible to do when you hand the relationship off to an independent contractor that you don't control. And I know agents on the Flex program. You know, I mean, they're getting tons of business, but they're basically a surf on Zillow's land. You know, (laughs) they're an employee of Zillow, essentially, to the the limits of what the independent contractor W-2 model will allow them to be. So how does that play out? Does Zillow roll out brokerages across the country? And am I going to switch my brokerage from one of the larger brokerages over to Zillow? How does that, how does that work? You know, they walk a fine line, man, because they get a lot of their advertising from agents, but they also the agents are their biggest Achilles heel because they don't take care of the customers. Yeah. So they're, what they're trying to do ever so gently is to nudge their way into, and that was the big shift with Spencer and, and now to Rich Barton, the CEO, they're trying to edge their way into like, how can we give our, our customers at Zillow the best possible customer experience? Yeah. And I don't, you know, I think the inevitable, inevitably they're going to have to because the customer is always right. That's who they're held accountable to. And the independent contractor model isn't set up that way. And, and look, you know, so goes California, the rest of the country. They, they, um, they voted in California to make all the Uber drivers employees. And technically they're supposed to be employees, but Uber said, you know, screw you, we're not even doing it. Yes. <laughs> and God Uber knows, 
God um, knows through their attorneys how you pull that one off, saying I'm not going to follow the law in California. But they did that, and it's actually up for vote. So it's actually up for vote in California if Uber drivers should be employees or contractors. And that my guess is if the people vote that they're employees, so goes the rest of the country. And what that's going to well, do is possibly, or Uber pulls out of California and says, no, thank you. Yeah, possibly. That yeah, could go either way. If I'm a, yeah. if I'm a business owner, if I'm, if I'm the CEO of Uber. Well, they had, they had that in London. London said to hell with them and now they're back in London. I mean, but what you're seeing this, this struggle in business now of what is the nature of the independent contractor? Like how much can I control the independent contractor? And if the laws settle where you can't do it that much, just watch everything go to W2 with Zillow. They're gonna have to. But if Zillow can control the independent contractor and somehow work with like the best in the business, the best people, the best teams, the best agents that are vetted and have a working referral relationship where they can still exert the control they need without breaking the law, then I think you'll have that relationship there, but that's the fine line they're walking. Yeah. And of course, they've built their own CRM and require people who are using other CRMs to use their CRM so that they can try to figure out who are those top teams. I'm yeah. trying to get them to partner with us so they know that because we would allow that, but haven't <laughs> gotten there yet, Frank. Yeah. So um, before we jump into marketing, again, for all of you out there, just know this is this is a normal conversation with Frank. This is not <laughs> just like, this is as if I had just called Frank. So Frank, what's the situation here? All of these companies, tech companies, came into the market yeah. trying to get rid of the agent, trying to eliminate the agent. Well, and it's I, very expensive and, because you have to go direct to consumer. I mean, you yeah. have to buy billboards, you have to buy radio ads, you need to have a, a financial suitor that gives you the capital to acquire the customer. Then hopefully after years of time and brand impressions, you start making your money back because the cost of lead isn't as much because you have some branding reputation and past clients and whatnot, where now it's not so expensive to, to acquire the customers. And, you know, a lot of this, you know, look with interest rates as low as they are, you have all this money swishing around and all these rich guys and pension funds and hedge funds have no place to put it because nothing pays anything. It's like really hard to find investment. So you have all this money just being thrown into venture capital because like they have nowhere else to put it to be able to get the return they're required to get a return to their investors. Also, yeah. I got their money, right? So what they're doing is they're basically financing these companies to go out and, and purchase advertising is really what you need going to direct to consumer while COVID hits. Hmm, it dries up. Yeah, I think that's probably what you, what you saw. I mean, I think and again, I don't know. I'm not like an expert in the industry. It's just things that I hear. But I know there's there's a company called Knock that um, does the whole we buy you before you sell. Like um, you can buy it. So, so you don't have to time two sales. Because I mean, what's the big objection now? I, I mean, I'd love to sell my house, but where am I going to go? Like there's no inventory. Like I can't be homeless. I think the iBuyer is definitely the biggest threat to impacting the industry. But I think that actually started, Zillow was really the front runner on that and said, Hey, we are going to disrupt this industry. Yeah. And, and I think their goal, I'm not hundred percent sure of this, but I think their goal was let's eliminate the real estate agent. And I've heard a lot of interviews with Rich Barton, by the way, if you have not heard Rich on a podcast, you, know, <laughs> you should go, go listen to some of those. I would say let's eliminate the real estate agent to the point where you still keep liability on the broker. Okay. That's what, that would be my decision. If I was running Zillow, I was like, yeah, you know, we need to control the customer experience. 
that is very difficult to do. And the legal environment for us to be able to do that's probably on its way out. I mean, we'll see, but there's trends against it. And we got to make sure our customers are good. So, you know, let's listen to our customers. What do they want? They're not being called by the agents, you know, but we also have agents as a advertising revenue, but we need to pivot this to 2.0. But um, I don't think, I mean, it's gonna be very difficult for one company to take on the full real estate transaction, all the markets and have all the liability. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to be able to still keep the independent contractor relationship and maybe deal with the agent just so the broker can keep the liability of the transaction. Well, the thing that I've seen is I don't care if it's Zillow, Redfin, uh, whomever, there's a local company in, in Utah called Homie that every agent hates because they just bash the agent constantly with all their billboards. And they all, in my opinion, they've tried to eliminate the real estate agent, but I think they've all proven that the real estate agent is going to be required in the long run. So the, so emotion, the emotions are too high. The stakes are too high. Yeah. You know, the real workhorse of the transaction is the title company. You know, they're the ones really making sure everything's going smoothly and getting all the work done. Like you as the agent are like dealing with the emotions of this and making sure that's taken care of and the emotions there and making sure this doesn't fall through and make sure, you know, that spouse and the divorce gets the signature signed and, you know, making sure the title is being followed with the calls. Like yeah. it's very hard to get rid of the agent. Um, yeah. I, I, you won't see an end of the real estate agent, but you will see downward pressure on the pay as more of the things the agent does to make money are picked off by other companies. Well, I think all of those companies have now hired or are hiring their own agents. And my opinion and my impression of what's going on there is they're actually paying them salaries in most cases. Mm -hmm. So it is certainly uh, driving a down, downward trend in pay. Um, yeah. So and it just goes back to a basic, like, look, it goes back to a basic marketing concept. This is a good segue for marketing is that the money is never in doing what you do. Like the money is never in the actual being a plumber. There's no money in plumbing. There's no money in being a real estate. There's no money in being an attorney. There's no money in being in doing anything. The money is selling plumbing services. Yeah. The money is in selling real estate services. The money is in selling legal services. And once someone makes this jump from like, yes, I'm really proud. I'm a really great doer of what I do. You're probably not making much money. You have to make the jump to become the marketer of what you do. Um, that's where the money is of selling the services. And then you try to, you know, go from there. That's, that's the jump. Yeah. So focusing in on real estate, what should I be doing in today's market, Frank, to, yeah. to market and capture business and not have to go to these third-party companies for 50% of my, my business and paying sure. huge, huge amounts for that? Well, yeah, I well, my own business? Yeah. So here's where most people start. I, mean, I don't know if it's most people, but probably the easiest way to start is, you know, call up realtor.com, call up Zillow and say, I need some leads. And they might have criteria of like, if you're a new agent or, you know, on, on how good you are, quote unquote, whatever that means. But, you know, they'll sell you leads and they'll charge 35%, 50%, whatever it is. Or the same concept is going working for a team who's taking the risk on lead generation. They take 50%, but you just go to someone who provides you leads. They're going to charge you per lead or they're going to do it where they take a, a yeah. referral. 100%. Depending so on that's where, where, that's where most people go. And then you realize, man, like, man, I'm the kind of the hamster on the wheel here and, you know, making the person give me rich because it's, it's, you know, um, you know, society really is dividing. I mean, you're seeing this with the K-shaped recovery we talked about is like, you know, the, the, the people who, you know, bring in the business, the rainmakers, the marketers, the people bringing in the customers and the people servicing the work, 
you want to, you realize that I need to make to the jump to bring you in the business. So like, well, you know, I got to kind of get off of the, I can't be a surf on someone else's land, you know, working these leads from for the team or, or, uh, you know, from realtors or whatever it is, which is perfectly fine to be a good living doing that. There's nothing wrong with that, but you want more. So now you have to learn how to generate your own leads. Well, the next step where most people gravitate without knowing much is they want to go generate their own buyer leads. Perfectly fine. Buyer leads are cheap. You know, the cheapest way to get them is on Facebook. And it's just running ads like, hey, how nice would it be to live in this like three bed, two bath ranch over here? You know, put your information to see pictures, you know. And you can get buyer leads for a dollar, two, three dollars a buyer lead in most markets, maybe a little more in other markets, just running Facebook ads, promoting your listings, saying put your information if you want to learn more about it. And you're going to have to generate somewhere between 100 to 160 of them. It just depends upon your conversion to eventually find one that actually transacts with you, right? And, um, but here's the deal, the numbers actually work. You're paying $2 a lead, it's 100 leads, you only pay 200 bucks, you gotta follow up. You know, you're willing to spend $200 plus your time to get a piece of business. So I'd probably say the first place people go are, are buyer leads, all right? Um, so it's like, okay, I'm really sick of running buyers around everywhere and this is exhausting. Especially and, in this market where- And you're... none of their offers are getting accepted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? If I just got a darn listing, I wouldn't have to do anything. The thing will sell in 24 hours, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you want to control that or do you want to be competing yeah. against 20 yeah. other So, So, you know, you work on a team, then you maybe go off and you go buy some buyer leads, but you realize you're kind of still on the hamster wheel and you realize the name of the game, which we all know is in listings. You're like, oh man, that's more difficult. How do I get a listing? Well, I would say there's two places you would start first. I would say slow down with your buyer leads and really see if any of those leads have a home to sell. And I'll give you a tip on your Facebook ads. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Like ask your, you know, your CRM company or your, whoever you're running your Facebook ads, your buyer leads, tell them you want to run ads for trade-up buyers. You want to run ads like, at a higher price point where the ad's more like, hey, are you sick of the home you're in? Is a starter home ain't doing it? Hey, you should upgrade one with a pool and four bedrooms and fifth bedroom for a workspace. You know, so when the buyer leads come in, they've responded to more of like a, a trade up ad. Mm-hmm. And that's nice because when you call, you're like, oh, hey, you don't buy a house. That's nice. But uh, yeah, you got a home you're currently living and you need to sell in order to buy the next one. And you find that there's a seller lead in that buyer lead. So at the most the most valuable Facebook ads you can run are probably trade up um, ads hmm. because it, it tends to attract someone that has a home as a lead. So kind of cool, right? You can get both sides. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a seller in that. Now, the second thing you can do before you start spending more money is um, this is something I always, I've always teached and taught, taught, and no one really does is, you know, I can go on Google right now and type in um, homes for sale in Utah homes for sale in San Diego, wherever you're at. And in, when I click on the Google search results, there's gonna be someone, you know, uh, you know, click here to search all homes for sale in Utah. It's probably someone running a commissions Inc. or pay-per-click. Yeah, some type of pay-per-click ad. I mean, they're probably spending pretty good money because pay-per-click ads generate good buyer leads. They're a little more motivated because their search intent. They actually went to Google and typed something in to look for a house versus somebody passively on Facebook, you know, like, oh, fuck, <laughs> right? Someone um, is just doing this and it's like, oh yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, I would find out like who's running the site, like who is spending money on pay-per-click leads and maybe my affluent expensive market. I'd scroll down to the bottom of the website, click the privacy policy, click the terms of service. Like, oh yeah, it's uh, Brian Charlesworth. Hi, he's running old, uh, 
he's running a, a buyer lead generation site. I call him up. Hey, Brian, my name's Frank Clesens. I'm a real estate agent. I'm kind of looking to break away from my team. But I was wondering, I see that you're spending money on pay-per-click on your whatever website that you're using. Are you happy with how all of your agents are converting your leads? Say no. No, absolutely not. Good, great. Well, I want to know, can we work something out? Can I, can I take your archives? Can I take the unconverted ones? Send them over to me. I'll tag them all. I'll even work in your system. I don't even care. But I'll pay your referral fee, 20, 30%. I'm looking to kind of get myself, get myself going. Can I work some of your existing leads? Okay. All right. So, so <laughs> it's kind of an easy way to kind of get something to call without having to spend any money. And then, you know, the next step is you have to start generating your own stuff, you know, and uh, it's all about your existing database. It's all about your existing list. That's so the I lowest start, cars place to start. I've started on Facebook, Frank. I've then gone to pay-per-click. However, I did that. Yeah. I'm not getting leads. What can I do to, to build this database you're talking about? Yeah. So now it's a matter of like, okay, you know, I've kind of been this, you know, agent behind the scenes. No one really knows who I am. Just kind of like hustling leads and I'm buying or, you know, hustling leads, giving me to somebody else, but I'm just kind of showing up as an agent. And honestly, you're probably perceived by the person on the other end of the phone. as kind of a commodity. You're just kind of like this necessary person to open the door because they didn't respond to talk to you. They responded to see a house and you just happened to be there and convenient for them. Yeah. Right. So the next step is now you got to really position yourself as an expert. And this is where it comes into like building a seller website. You need a website that's different from your buyer site. So your buyer site is, you know, search homes for sale in Utah. And when you go there, it's got pictures of property. It's all about the, the properties and seeing the homes. It's not really featuring you as like the expert, the go-to guru. All right. Let me give you an example of a seller website. We, we haven't done it, but it's, I see Dan Beer's name all over the place in San Diego because I'm in San Diego, but yeah, yeah, sold by danbeer.com. I'll pull it up real quick. But this is just a good example of a seller website. See it? Yes. So you can go on here and like, it's a guaranteed offer. It's him. I have, I have a, how do we handle selling your home during COVID? How do we send, here's the guaranteed sell plan. Here's all your options as a seller. Do you want against the cash offer? meet me, celebrity endorsements. There's nothing on here about buying a home. As seen on, all this is doing has videos to get to know them and is trying to show you like, I am a professional for hire to get your home sold and you need a seller website. This is one of the biggest things that people don't really get listings is because they've been marketing themselves through buyer, like the buy side, yeah. but they never had to make the jump to actually market themselves as a professional, you know? And uh, some type of site that does this. I'll give you another one. Uh, let's, let's do... Um, uh, so that site, you guys, was sold by danbeer.com if you were driving or... Yeah, here's another one. Um, this is Carol Royce. She's in Phoenix. Uh, she has a good website called Carol Has the Buyers. And essentially, her whole website is, you know, this is all about me selling your home. Click here. I have buyers. Get you top dollar. It's really designed to speak pretty much to sellers. And she has her cash offer program. It's available to you. Yeah. Let me give, let me give you one that we built. Um, what was the what was the uh, domain there? Uh, Carol Carol has the buyers .com. Is that good? Yeah. You know, Spring has the buyers .com. Go there. Go there. Let's do another one. Um, uh, Silicon Valley Real Estate Journal .com. This is kind of a seller site. It's branded a little bit differently, but the whole goal here is you can go on here and, you know, 
meet Brett, get to know Brett. He's kind of your guy. It's all about him. Everything you want to know about selling your home. It's really marketing you, the agent. It's not marketing the listing. That's the big difference. So you need a way to market yourself as like an expert advisor that can help people get their home sold. So, you know, how do you do that? How do you win a listing with marketing? Well, you know, you should probably start a video blog answering commonly asked questions about buying or selling houses. Um, maybe teach some seller workshops, uh, make some videos and uh, round up your whole database, your past clients, your centers of influence, the leads you've been working, all those emails you have in Gmail or Outlook or you know, your cell phone, round them all up and start getting some type of what they would call in the industry a 36 touch plan. Like I need to be sending out maybe a print newsletter and some video emails, just kind of keeping people informed and updated in the market to position me as someone that when you need advice and you need guidance and you need a guide to help solve a problem with your home sale, I'm available hire to do it. Yeah. And that's how you go about getting the listings. It's probably one of the easiest ways. And even if you're a prospector, you'll say, oh, I don't do marketing. I'll spend a dime on marketing. You know, um, you know what do you... Um, why would I need all this? Well, you know, you're probably not the only person calling the expired. You're probably not the only person calling the, the, the FISBO. And, you know, um, you know, you just tell people, Hey, just Google my name. <laughs> like, who, who are you? What do you want? Google my name. And there should be videos and testimonials, a blog that shows up where, you know, it's kind of like you as the agent, you're like, you know, look, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, I need to stage the home and take proper photos because I have to sell it online first for them to sell it offline. And it's the same thing with you as the agent. We got to sell you online first. So then you can go sell yourself offline on the listing appointment. Yeah. Great advice. All right, Frank. Well, tell us, tell us what's going on in viral marketing today. Yeah. You guys, um, you guys have been in the business forever. What, what are you guys focused on right now? What do you see having the biggest impact on what you guys are doing? Yeah. So, man, I mean, I remember when COVID hit, there was a freak out and everyone's canceling. And when, I mean, this is just the whole industry of like, what's going to happen? No one knew. But then it kind of bottomed out like in late April and then the, the sales for us started picking up. And what we heard was, is um, I'm not comfortable spending the three, four, five grand a month checks anymore for the high level lead generation in this environment. Okay. Or, hey, you know, a lot of my business came from door knocking. Uh, I don't want to do that at least at this point with COVID. Or, hey, a lot of my business came from, uh, you know, client appreciation events, getting people together and doing events and networking. Couldn't really do that. Um, and people were looking at like, how am I going to survive? How am I going to get leads, you know? And um, obviously they probably have some type of buyer lead system in place, but you know, I need to like position myself as an expert. I need to get listings. How do I do that? And the answer pretty much goes back to, you know, what are you doing with your database? And a lot of times when business is easy and people are calling you, you don't really do much, or, you know, you had the funds to buy a lot of cold leads. That's fine. But we had a lot of people calling us up and signups actually ticked up because, um, uh, people needed to reconnect with their list. They need to stay in better touch with their database. And essentially what we do at Viral, which we've been doing for 10, you know, 11 years, is we build you this seller blog, this, this video blog and interview you on a webcam with a video camera and a you know, webcam that we send you uh, to help you create some educational videos answering commonly asked questions people are asking about real estate now. And then we edit those, we write an article to go with them. We put them on your blog, we email them out, we post them on social media, we re retarget your database with some Facebook ads. And also now we actually use direct mail. I'm becoming really, really fond of direct mail um, because it is very crowded online. Uh, but to your best contacts, maybe it's, you know, 100, 150, 200, 250 people, uh, basically take what you saw on your blog that month and put it in a letter and mail it to them. In mail. And uh, that type of system where you have this ongoing publication strategy, you're constantly communicating with the contacts in your list. We help you execute on that. And the fee is reasonable. It's 550 bucks a month. Or it was a build fee one time. 
but essentially it's 550 bucks a month to run that, which is much really a lot less expensive if you're you know blowing lots of money on lead gen, right? Yeah. And uh, in many cases, we also get the lender to pick up half the tab too. So you include the lender in the videos, you include the lenders in the emails, and you get your cost down to like you know 270 bucks a month. It's a yeah. it's a it's an inexpensive way to generate leads. So for that 550, what what all am I getting? I'll pull it up. So here's the plan. It's like, how do I get business from my database? Well, let's send them two Q&A videos a month. Out to every email address you basically have that are helpful and useful and positions you as the expert. And let's essentially take what you said in those videos that, you know, go out to everybody. Let's summarize them into a one-page letter and let's mail. Let's reach like your best contacts by mail because you're not going to reach everyone digitally. I mean, if you're lucky, you're going to reach like 30% of your database by email with an open rate, you know? So that's a really good system. And then um, every month or every month or two, uh, send another email out to your database with an offer saying, hey, you know, you think of selling your house, we'll find out what's worth, click here. Hey, you know, um, think about buying a home, one of my best buys, click here. You know, you think of just typical offers that real estate agents put out all the time. You want to email it out to your database about once a month to spike response to get some leads on the kind of the foundational relationship of the videos and the letter. You wanna make sure those videos are visible on Facebook. And in order for them to be visible, you're probably gonna have to put a little money into them, five or 10 bucks, just by remarketing the people that visit your website and the people in your database. And then once you got that little system going on, you have your video blog and you have your emails going out and you're publishing, it's, it's not hard to find like a financial advisor. Um, uh, for your wife, uh, Spring Brian, I think we found a, um, some with Morgan Stanley, who's going to be participating in your marketing that wants to co-advertise for financial planning webinars to reach affluent homeowners uh, for financial advice, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so you can co-advertise with other professionals that are looking to get in front of homeowners and buyers in the market you serve. And they can probably pitch in a little bit to help zero cost it out. And this is a very solid plan, very fundamental plan uh, that brings in business. So we kind of asked about the pricing. Here's the pricing. This is what you get but you guys can go and call viral and uh, talk to us about this. But, um, you know, in order to execute this, this requires human beings to do work. So you do it yourself. Uh, you can hire your own staff, which will be a little more expensive, but uh, with economies of scale and good management and good processes and good hiring, good checklists, I'm able to uh, deliver all that at a price that would be less expensive than you having to do on your own. Yeah. And that's viral. So, so Frank, I know I'm using you guys to do something that, yeah, uh, podcast. that is, less than I can do it on my own, which is run my podcast. So yeah, yeah. So we'll I mean, a, good, a good, a good marketing person will probably cost you somewhere between 40 and 60 grand a year. And that's just someone kind of entry level. So what is that, you know, three, four, $4,000 a month that you're in plus the computer, Adobe creative suite, email marketing account, unbounced landing page, all the software costs. Yeah. Um, that's why advertising agencies exist is because it's usually cheaper and more effective to hire an agency that's been organized that way than usually bring it in the house. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, is there anything else that you want to hit on today as far as what's happening in this industry? What's what, where's COVID going to go? You know, I got a couple things that have been kind of just interesting from the industry is, um, you're really going to have to double down on like Matterport and virtual tours. I mean, people are buying homes off the virtual tour. I think making those available and in order to access them, they have to opt in. So it's like, yeah, here on my website, here's the pictures, but if you want the virtual tour, right? Which is something really unique you provide as the agent because you fronted the cost to get that. You, you squeeze them and you ask their contact information for the virtual tour. And 
getting a relationship and doing good like Matterport tours or whatever it is, that's going to be just a mainstay and just you need to organize your business around that question, right? You're going to have to have an instant offer strategy. You're going to see a lot of these iBuyers, records amount of investment capital coming in. Let me actually play a commercial for you. How does that sound? Let me give you a commercial that's running in Phoenix right now where it's kind of like, you know, I'm going to get you all your offers. So yeah, I can traditionally list your home, but there's other offers too from iBuyers and institutional investors. I mean, you come work with me, I'll present all possible offers to you. And I think you're going to see more of that. And I've, I've actually spoken with some agents um, that, that that's what they do. They'll actually go out and publicly put in that address to all the big iBuyers. Yes. yes. And they'll so come to their listing appointment with offers from each of those sites. Here's the offer you can get from each of these, or we can list your home and sell it for this. Correct. So let me see if I can play. I'll play a commercial for you of a company that actually does that. Sound good? You ready? Yeah, as long as we can hear it. Yep. Well, you let me know. So here we go. The old way of selling your home. You hear it? Leverage new. Yes, yes. Why hassle with the old way of selling your home? Leverage new technology and get all of your options up front. Sell it fast with EasyStreetOffers.com. Say goodbye to traditional real estate agents. The old way of selling your home can leave your house on the market for months. At Easy Street Offers, you get all your options up front and 100% transparency with just one click. Visit us at EasyStreetOffers.com and get your free no-obligation offers today. Real offers, real easy. EasyStreetOffers.com. You know what's cool is we pulled a list of 40,000 homeowners and um, went to Cox Cable and we can custom audience to be at. So that ad only plays at the certain homes that we want with like a custom. Isn't that kind of cool how you send a list into a cable company now? Yeah. I'll play one more for you here. Sell your home fast and easy without all the hassles. No showings, no repairs, no negotiations, no problems. With my rocket listing, it's easy as three, two, one, sold. Three, contact us. Two, on-site evaluation. One, offer in your hands within 24 hours. And you pick the day you close and move. Too good to be true? Nope. Just simple. Visit MyRocketListing.com for a certain and predictable sale on your timeline today. Now, the purpose of these is these are just real estate teams running these as DBAs. So they file a DBA for My Rocket Listing or a DBA as these three offers. And the reason you do that is because if you try to market your instant offer program as a real estate agent, it'll tank because people just assume that you're going to do open houses and they, they link a real estate agent to you. So you file under a different name. So how do you get the leads? Well, you run ads on Facebook, get an instant offer, you send out mail to homeowners saying, I have a buyer, call me, go here, you know, all the typical stuff, but it's all about, I have a buyer for your property. Okay. So we send out these letters um, and people will either call or they'll go to a website like easy street offers, or they'll go to my rocket listing. And again, there's no mention of an agent on there really. It's about, it's a company doing this, which right. removes a lot of the, um, it improves response because there's negative connotations toward, this is not what an agent does. This is confusing. They're baiting and switching me. Yeah. All right. So now somebody follows up saying, Hey, you know, thanks for reaching out to easy street offers, my rocket listing, you know, whatever you want to call it and say, when can we come out for like 15 minutes? Um, we need to take some pictures of your property. We need to take some measurements. We need to take a look at the area, look at the condition, ask you some questions about, about the unique features. And then that's it. We have nothing else to discuss because I'm going to take all that information and I'm going to go show it to the buyer. 
in fact, not just the buyer, I'm going to submit it to this hedge fund, this hedge fund, this institutional buyer, I'm going to submit to OfferPad and, and all these other places. And usually you have a VA that does all that, right? And then you schedule an appointment a week later and you come back with all these net sheets and you say, look, let's look, here you go. Did the research. Let's start at the very bottom. You know, I'll buy it today as an investment property in my line of credit for 70% of value. Like literally here's a check, <laughs> all right? Or you could take this offer, you could take this offer, you could take this offer, or, you know, given the market right now, um, I think if we were to list it based upon the research and here's the research and days on market and you kind of show that you're the local economist, this is what I think you would get if you traditionally listed it if you wanted to do that. Uh, which option do you want? And then the seller chooses. And you have pre-negotiated, you have some way to get paid on whatever those offers are that the seller chooses. Okay. Are, so you're, are seeing, you're guys, seeing a trend that way of acquiring guys, the listing with that model. Are those guys paying for bringing them deals as an agent like that? Oh, say it again. If I go out and get all these offers from people like Open Door. Yeah, they all pay. They all pay. Yeah, so you can, I don't know what it is, but you can, sometimes it's 1%, it's something. Yeah. But but what you're trying to do is you're trying to make money some way off the deal. I mean, you might even, I mean, we have a client in um, Hawaii that started a property management company because a lot of people want to rent it. And she went from zero to 700 doors in like six or seven years because one of the offers, she says, well, we just rent the thing, I'll manage it. So, or we can VRBO it. So it's, it's really, you're seeing it probably a trend in this space where it's like, you're going to have a more of a palette of options to the seller than just traditionally listing it. But you have to, a lot of it is in how you present it. And the, the best way is they come in through a separate brand and it's a two appointment close as opposed to a one appointment close because you truly are going out on the first appointment, getting research, submitting it to buyers and coming back for a second appointment, which is like heresy for most real estate professionals. Because when you get the real estate, it's like, I'm going to go close this thing right now, right? It's a different, it's a different model. Yeah. Okay. Great stuff, Frank. Um, thank you. Before we wrap up today, I just wanted to ask you just a couple of questions. As far as your favorite book or source of learning over the last year, I know you gave us this to us a year ago, but what's a book you've read over the last year or what's a podcast that you just have fallen in love with? Uh, well, the podcast I listen to every day is I love the daily by the New York times. That's a really, really good, it's not a business podcast, but they do some ex excellent journalism on that podcast. And if you have a chance to listen to the daily, it's a uh, really, really, really good. Okay. And probably yeah, from, I've not done that, so I'll, that's a good podcast, man. I was actually listening to it right before this meeting and they were talking about a debate last night. It was just really well done. And um, the second book, it's not even a business book. Let's see if I can find the book, The Color of Law. Dude, this is a messed up book. Um, it goes through like, you know, we all run in real estate, you know, dude, our country was racist, like big time. And like, nobody knows, nobody talks about it. And it goes through like how uh, access to loans and all these other things for minority groups. And it really does a really wonderful job of kind of getting you up to speed of a lot of the disparity you see in the housing market and disparities of wealth in real estate. If you're in the profession, you know, yeah, go read another business book. There's a lot of those, but just to kind of open your mind a little bit, this is, should be required reading for any, anyone in the real estate space in America to understand kind of the history of real estate with regards uh, to racism uh, throughout the history of it. So it's called The Color of Law or Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America. Okay, great. Probably a little bit different answer than you expected, but those are the two yeah, things I've been paying no, attention that's to. Great. Uh, thank you. And what's your favorite place to visit, Frank? Ooh, man, I just got back from Northern California for the first time. 
My you wife and I flew. I've never been in Northern California. We went to we went and uh, we're drinking and getting drunk in Napa. My wife loves drinking wine, and then we decided to drive up the coast, and we ended up in Mendocino. And whew, that is a nice place. I love the um, you know Southern California. You have the beaches, you know, which I'm used to now. I live in San Diego, beautiful by the way. But up north, it's cooler, and you basically it's cooler. You have the cliffs. It's a lot like it's a lot quieter. Yeah. And you basically are in a cab. It's like, where do you get the blend of an ocean and a forest? You know? And uh, right. as of right now, at least with the recency effect, that is my new favorite place <laughs> is uh, the Northern California coast. Oh, nice. yeah. I love it. it. What I'm hearing from you reminds me of the Oregon coast, but you've been to Napa before, but just not north of Napa. Is that right? Yeah, we, we were in Napa for a mastermind, but like I never drove around and like, checked it out. Yeah. Okay, cool. And what in your spare time, Frank, what's your favorite thing to do? Ooh, my guitar, which I haven't been playing much of. And how long are right you here. playing the guitar? It looks like a gun. <laughs> what are you around with this thing? He's got his fender there. How, how long have you been playing the guitar, Frank? Dude, I'm not that great, but I've been playing it since high school. I was the guy who always busted out in college. But um, I, I finally got, I got my practice amp. I just sit back here on my couch in between meetings and try to practice and learn some scales. That's where I'm at right now. But that's what I enjoy doing. I'm not... Uh, not taking care of a four-year-old and a four-year-old and a five-year-old and my and my wife and work and everything else. That's what I'm doing. So just so you all know, I've been in Frank's office around, I don't know, it's probably 12 midnight, maybe one in the morning. And Frank pulls out the guitar. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, fun stuff. Last question for you, Frank. What's the what's the one piece of advice you would want to leave with everyone today in today's market? Speaking primarily to uh, real estate business owners. Hmm. Man, that's a big, great question. It, and maybe. Yeah, I, 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 I got it. I would say that the number one thing you can do is in a great market when there's money flowing and it's pre-COVID, you don't have to be very disciplined and you become a little maybe ungrounded in your business. Meaning, you know, deals are easy. I could just write a check and buy some leads. The money's come in, so it's not a big deal. You know, it's a little more loose, right? And then when things tighten up, or at least maybe probably maybe where things may go, in my opinion, I have the feeling it's going to tighten up because there's less homes for sellers or inventory kind of has to, right? Um, you need to open up your Facebook. You need to open up your LinkedIn. And you need to open up your cell phone and pull up your address book. And you need to go through... Um, and try to find yourself somewhere between, I don't know, 100 to maybe 200 some people. That's about the maximum number of relationships like any human being can handle. Like there's a, they teach financial advisors, like you, you should only have 100 clients. Like once someone with a higher net worth comes and you drop one lower net worth and you only keep 100 clients because you only can handle so many relationships. Right. Go find like 100, 150, 200 people that like are like your true database. Meaning like if you were to run them to a bar, you would just go join them for a drink or you would go hang out with them. It's not like awkward and make sure you have their phone numbers, make sure you have their emails, make sure you have their best mailing list, mailing address. And the only way that you're gonna be able to do that is you really gotta go into Facebook and click all your friends and you have a memory jogger of like everyone you know. And the other way you can do that is by going to LinkedIn and looking at all your connections, you have a memory jogger and going into your cell phone, just scrolling through your contacts or let alone all your send and received emails over the past month and start writing down some names and making sure all the contact information is there of those individuals and put some type of plan in place where they're getting your newsletter, they're getting your viral marketing, you're calling and staying in touch, you're looking for referrals from that list. 
because it's where a lot of your profit's gonna come from, from deals that hopefully smooths out when you're not so profitable from other deals that you're spending a lot of money to acquire on. So my best piece of advice is use this time to like get yourself back grounded um, and make sure you have a database touch point in place, but even more specifically, make sure you have your list of your couple hundred, if so, A-list contacts ready to go for you to make calls like in your Rolodex. And most people do not have that. All right, Frank, and if I want your help once I've done that, how do I get a yeah. hold of you? Uh, getviral.com, G-E-T-V-Y-R-A-L.com. You can go on there. You can request a free video marketing plan on the front of the website. I also teach class every Monday. I teach a one-hour marketing class. You're welcome to join. It's a six-month syllabus. You can do it anytime. You can join on, um, on the classroom uh, option that's on there. It's free. And then if you'd like to talk to us about working together, you can request a strategy call. And there's a 90-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't get business from working with us in 90 days, we will give you all your money back. Awesome. Okay, Frank. Well, thanks for joining us on the show today. It's always an honor and it's always a lot of fun. We really thanks, appreciate, it. appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody. Um, thanks for joining us on the Grit Podcast. And if you haven't already, uh, go subscribe to the Grit Podcast and also feel free to give us a rating and share us with a friend. The more you do that, the more it allows me to bring in some of these top-notch guests which we've uh, had a lot of this year. So thank you all, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your set of fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.